0: Direct from Montreal, Canada.
1: This is Rock Talk
0: with Mitch Lafon. Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Uh, joining me on the phone, it is a '70s pop icon, Leaf Garrett, and uh, we are going to talk about his new book, "Idle Truth: A Memoir." And uh, I have to say, this is this is the fun part about being an independent podcaster. Yes, I did stuff with Podcast 1 and Westwood 1, but but a show like this um just doing what I want, I probably wouldn't have flown. So so this is the the great joy of being a, an independent uh, podcaster. Anyway, uh Leaf was of course uh gracious on the phone and uh we spoke a little bit off air and on air about this time where I got to hang out with Leaf in uh, Los Angeles. It was at the Key Club and his band, I think they were called F8, were doing a premiere show. And so I went out and checked it out and so on and so forth. And then afterwards, we went back to uh, to the bus and we had a chance to chit chat. And I have to say, that was one of the weirdest and wildest nights I could experience. First of all, here I was with a 70s pop icon doing a more hard rock kind of gig with a new band. And in the audience and, and in there was a whole bunch of, you know, L.A. socialites. But we also had a chance to hang out with actor Ron Jeremy and the members of Pretty Boy Floyd, you know. So, so just, just imagine this site. There was me. There was Ron Jeremy. There was Leaf Garrett and Pretty Boy Floyd. Now, if that's not a cast of characters for you, I I, I don't know what is. Anyway, it, it was it was a, a a night. Let's just call it that. It was a night. If you go to my personal Facebook, Mitch Lafon, not the Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon Facebook, but my personal Facebook, and you shuffle through all the pictures, you will find a picture of me and Leif Garrett and one of the guys from. Pretty boy Floyd, and you will also find a picture of me with Ron Jeremy from that illustrious evening. So now, surprisingly, though uh, that evening not mentioned in the book, it is not in Idle Truth, a memoir. Go figure. I mean, come on, Leaf, didn't you? Didn't I mark your life? Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, marking my life, he did mark a lot of people's lives in the seventies. He is a seventies pop icon. Quite frankly, I would argue that Kiss is a 70s pop icon. So if I can have members of Kiss on the show, I can damn well have uh, Leif Garrett on the show. So uh, without further ado, here he is, uh, the one, the only, le seul unique, Leif Garrett. We are speaking with a singer, Leif Garrett, the new, <laughs> I see, I got it, sort of. The new, uh, the new yeah, book or can. the new memoir is Idle Truth, a, a memoir written with a Chris Epting. Uh, and as we say in Montreal, a "Bonjour, life." How are you? Uh, uh, comme ci, si, comme ça. Yeah, see? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I'm well. And yourself? I'm I'm doing great. And and as I was telling you yeah. just before we got started, we. We actually had a chance to, to talk and meet and sit at the back of the bus uh, back in, I guess, 2002, 2003. Oh, now I remember. Okay, thank you for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it,
0: the, bu- it, the bus uh, helped me. <laughs> yeah, the bus part is what helped you. No, but it, it, it was yeah. great to meet you then. And when I show people the pictures of, of us hanging out, they're like, oh my God, you hung out with him? You know, I, and so that and you big, lived and I lived and I lived to tell. So, so let me, let, let me talk about this memoir because at the time you had uh-huh. done this VH1 behind the music and it was all mm-hmm. sort of very sappy and oh my God and the Leafs going to yeah. be and, and you're, and then, yep. we, and then you and I sat on this bus and you went, yeah, well, you know, and, 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 you know, you were having a joint or whatever and it was just like, yeah, well, yeah. Know. Uh, exactly. but now the book comes out, and, and the book is uh-huh. a lot more revealing. It's not very much TV friendly. VH1, you sort of say, okay, uh, talk right. to me about the about that if you want that narrative and, and and the fact that you're like, you know what, I've had these secrets for forty years, forty five years. Enough is enough. I'm just going to let it go. You're you're going to get the whole truth. That's correct. Um, I, I I I really did try
1: and offer that up to VH1. But they had their own, I guess, ideas on, you know, the, the narrative, if you will, or the, the kindness or whatever. I mean, there was a lot of tears anyway, but, um, it was, uh, sappy, as you say, and it wasn't really, I mean,
0: it was, it was fairly honest, except for the
1: part where I said I was clean. Right. <laughs> right.
0: But right. Well, yeah. yeah, but, but they like, they like to do that. So. So let, let's, go, let's go back to the beginning, because you've also said in other interviews that you never really were a singer. You were sort of thrust into this situation, a lot of it based on just looks. Um, talk to me about how a teen idol was created. Did, did you really sort of strive and do all the, uh, the the rehearsals and all that and got to where you were? Or was it somewhat handed to you because somebody said, hey, here's a good looking kid. Let's let's." make like, him sing and sing and dance uh, on, a, on a silver platter. Um I was uh, receiving
1: so much mail for, uh, through the teen magazine and through uh CBS because of the TV series that I was doing at the time with Vincent Patton and Alex Rock called Three for the Road and uh this producer Michael Lloyd, you know who has been involved with teen idols from the you know since he was born. Um and he just saw the combination of this rather androgynous uh, looking uh little pretty boy who uh you know i i would i would like to say i hope it's true has some charisma and some talent uh they just never considered uh, having me go through that 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 process of, of fine tuning you know uh the singing lessons the uh, they tried with the dance lessons and I was like, you guys, please, if I'm going to do this, which I'm going to do it and you know it, and, <laughs> but I want to be Mick Jagger. I want to be Rod Stewart. I want to be, you know, Elton John. I didn't, I didn't want to do the Danny Terrio dance moves, which is basically what they had in store. It would have been very much like a lot of the bands are doing today with not a band or the the idols. I mean, you know, solo singers uh, without a band and a track. So, so, did they make you sing to track? They did not make me sing to track, but we—that's the way everything was done, basically on television. So, lip syncing was normal on uh, television shows and things like that. It was very rare. I think only Don Kirshner's rock concert was the one where bands got to play live. But American Bandstand and all those other television shows, when you do a talk show thing, it's all uh, lip sync, And uh, very rarely will you ever see somebody, but I I did see Bowie do like Dinah Shore live with Iggy Pop, which was amazing. But um, those are people that are absolute, true, born-to-be artists in the music world. Whereas I don't think I was a natural a musician by any means. Um, I I became, I've always loved music. Music has always been my life in many ways, even with television and stuff, because um, it's uh, sometimes, what's it called, the triple threat? You know, if you can sing, you can dance, and you can act, you're the triple threat. So, sometimes, like, I tried out for the uh, audition of Mame with uh, Lucille Ball when I was
0: really young, about eight. Wow.
1: Like well, you had yeah.
0: some, some great experiences, I have to say. But all right, let me get you just over here to 2002, uh-huh. 2003 yeah. with, with F8, because you had been out of the public mm-hmm. eye for, for many years. There was the VH1 thing, as we know. Yeah. And then you're trying to bring out a new band and try over again. Uh, talk to me about the thought behind that. Was that just that you loved music so much and you wanted to get back to it? Or was it, hey, I'm bored, let's do something? and And how difficult did you find it?
1: you nailed it on the head uh with that i see, like I said, I have always been uh drawn to music in 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 so many ways um that i I wanted to do it. I really wanted uh the musical career, but on my terms, so to speak, you know um uh, doing the music that I wanted to do, not doing remakes of stuff and you know, I found it interesting that we did a one song or, that I did that was an original one was my biggest hit with "I Was Made for Dancing," and yet they wanted to go back to the formula of uh, of a remake that was a song that was already a hit. But nonetheless, anyway, back to to <laughs> the question, <laughs> uh, I just wanted I wanted to do it. I wanted it really badly. And I asked the guys when we started out to just keep their mouths shut and not say anything about who's in the band and uh, see if they on its own merit. You know, I don't want to uh, rely on my past. Uh, I look forward,
0: you know. There's a great quote that says, the past is the past, the future is unknown. And... Oh, you dropped out there. The, the future is unknown and what? The future is unknown, the future's unknown and the present... But the present is a gift, right? So, okay. Yeah. well, okay. Let me ask you about about them polishing the uh, polishing you in the early days, or you know, you're doing surfings USA, you're doing run around Sue, you're doing all these songs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How frustrating was that? Because, in one sense, listen, you're all over TV, yeah. you're over, you know, yeah. you're on Tiger Beat and 16 Magazine, and 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 obviously there was a lot of girls, so you can't complain. Oh yeah. But not at all <laughs> artistically. Holy Christ, you're not doing what you want to do. So, so was it damned, damned if you do, damned if you don't? Like, how, how did you sort of take it all in? And and is that sort of why you turned to the drugs, or the drugs was just because that's the scene, man, and that's what you do? I, I would imagine it's a little of both. When I mean, you've got
1: A and R guys offering coke up to you, and you're the only one who's under 18 in the group. And there's no parental supervision other than an A&R guy or a manager, and they're uh, they're thinking of me as an adult. Anyway, uh, that's part of it, you know. But the other thing is, yes, because I was so stifled creatively in the music area, uh, you know. Tony Scotty at one point just said, you know, basically, shut up, kid. Um, you know. Um, we know what we're doing. We, you know, you do what we say and that's it. And oddly enough, you know, the record that I ended up doing with Rick Finch from the Casey and the Sunshine Band was the first time that I went away from the Scotty Brothers studio and their control to do a record. Now, they had a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, control with Richard, or Rick. And, um, you know, I went uh, there and did a, I, I, I think, a, Pretty decent record But when I come back to LA All proud, under my arm, here, listen to this Tony says, no, first you listen to this And it was a song that their staff writers Our staff writer had uh, written And said, okay, you can record this now And they ended up releasing that as the single So that song never represented the album in any way And didn't sound anything, you know, like it and uh it seems rather silly when a, a young man of of uh like eighteen, nineteen or twenty, whatever it was when I did that record, is singing, Come back when you grow up, little girl You know, it's not the uh the song that I wanted to do and that's what happened. So it was just more control, more uh not allowed to uh spread my wings, so to speak.
0: Right, and and of course, the the B side to that was a Swahili serenade, which you can't go wrong with. But uh, but but you did get to work with you did get to work with Paul Anka afterwards, so that that's not so bad. But all right, let me ask you. Not real, so bad. No, uh, in fact, uh, not too far from here in Ottawa, there's a Paul Anka Street named after him. So, but um, really, that's crazy. there is yeah. well, he's he's a Canadian, uh, you know, he's the Canadian Frank Sinatra. What are you going to do, icon, icon? <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, a songwriter of of many, many songs that people don't even know that he wrote for other people.
0: Well, okay, you know what? I, I was not going to ask you about Paul, but let me ask you about Paul. What was that yeah. like coming in? Because, you know, you've got this sort of staff writer, Martha Sharp, writing comeback when you grow up, and it's this sort of pablum yeah. crap, you know, because they had the label yeah. producers and the label songwriters. No offense to, to, to her, to the yeah. song, but, you know, that's what it yeah. was. They just punch out this whatever you know two plus two yep. makes four, go sing it, uh but exactly. then exactly, right, you know, but then you get put your head yeah. on my shoulder, and it's Paul Anka, and suddenly it's like, well, okay, he's done that and 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 now you're covering it but but he also writes these other things what- what was that like knowing that you're gonna start covering some of these bigger things and not just do the 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 poor lady in the back room writing some you know two by two paint by number schlock, I mean <laughs> you, you know right.
1: I get it. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, those, those times that I've been able to, um, be in the presence of and, uh, you know, meet, uh, and just pick their brains, which I always did. Uh, people like that and himself, it's amazing. I am so lucky. It's unbelievable. I would do this all again because of, the the perks, if you will, the the uh, bonuses uh, that comes along with being a quote unquote teen idol who is controlled by management and told what to do, you know. But there are those times when you just go, wow, okay, <laughs> it was all worth it for this moment. It, it's amazing, you know. It's and it's it's
0: it's humbling. Oh, the bo- the bonuses must have been terrific. Um, this real quick, uh, yeah. Scott, you, you mentioned, you know. Listen, I don't want to get—I uh, don't want to start making the show X-rated, but we can imagine that the trim was pretty damn decent. Uh, no offense.
1: Well, beyond better than decent, dude. It was—I mean, it, it, listen, I can find something beautiful in every woman, but um, it just there's nothing like your know, young man at, at the t- testosterone levels that you know that we are. And having supermodels throw themselves at you, and and tennis, you know, stars, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just—it was just, you know—I get on my knees and thank the Lord. Thank the Lord.
0: I know. (laughs) Too bad. Too bad we didn't have iPhones back then. But all right, okay. Let me ask you about that. (laughs) How how crazy how crazy was that uh, stuff? I mean, did, did you show up at the hotel room and there was a girl hanging out in the in the closet, ready to jump out? Where? I mean... Yeah,
1: no kidding. Okay,
0: so... Oh, so, okay, so it got got (laughs) to the point... Did it get to the point where it was... I mean, was it just fun or was it dangerous where you went, oh, fuck, there's somebody in my closet? Uh, No, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's... Yes, uh, it got to that point. It definitely got to that point. Not so much uh, uh, of the the young lady's um, uh, physical... Except for, you know, I have a couple that, that, you know, are pretty interesting with, like, God told me that we should be together and they're sticking with this and the whole game plan. And, you know, that's the one where you worry about opening the front door and all of a sudden you're Rebecca Schaefer.
0: Or you just go, hey, guess what? God told me that, too. Good idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'll meet you at the church. Or, or behind it. Um, oh boy, we, we we are definitely going down the wrong path, but that's okay. Let me—I yeah, I do want to ask right. you about the Scotty brothers because the, the Scotty brothers, yeah. for many in the industry, were revered. They were these hit makers. They were—they controlled part of the music industry for many, many years. They—they they were not just some some. You know, what was that like? What, what do you learn from working with them? Yes, they sort of have you under their thumb and you have to do what they say, mm-hmm. but you said you got the benefits, so it sort of balances mm-hmm. out. Do you learn anything mm-hmm. in terms Pretty of the perfect. business? Yeah, well, yeah. But do you learn anything <laughs> from the business? Is there anything you, you took and, and you just went, oh, fuck, or you, do you ever think and go, mm, what would Tony do? What would Ben do? Like okay. Never once. Never once, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never once. And, and, and me,
1: let me explain why. The Scotty Brothers were, uh, before working with myself, um, they were promoters. They were not a management company. They did not even have their own record label at that point. And it was actually myself who was the first on Scotty brothers records. And, uh, uh I believe survivor, uh, and that we were, you know, I was first survivor was right there. And then they, uh, started a subsidiary label, uh, which was run by the Scotty brothers called rock and roll records, they got lucky because they're, you know that this is their mentality in many ways. Uh,
0: Weird Al Yankovic, so they got Weird Al, they, which I would have thought was hilarious. They got they got You Survivor and then Weird Al. Like I just can't see how their A and R department went. Yeah, we need a comedian. We got a teen idol and we got this real serious rock band. So. Right? <laughs> yeah, she wasn't really like that. Though. they wouldn't label it that way. They, you know, they had one A and R guy,
1: maybe two. And it was just, there was only a couple of people on their their label and it was all started with my, uh, my, my records. And, um, you know, that's, that's when they became, uh, the hit makers, if you will. You know, Tony actually had the nerve to say in, uh, in the book, uh, that, uh, I never made him any money for the company. And, um, that's well, pretty funny with, you know, holding... Platinum and gold
0: records, you know, arm in arm with you. Well, all right. Let, let me let me ask you then a, a, about some of that money and and uh, recoupment cost, which is the great word that every artist loves. Uh-huh. Don't you love that word recoupment? No, uh, no, I can imagine. Uh, talk to me about <laughs> that because you, you're here. You are on uh, American Bandstand. You're on all yeah. these different TV shows. You're on, as we said. Listen. I used to follow Kiss and buy all the teen beat and my, because there was always something about Kiss and you were always right there with yep. them, uh, in uh, yep. God, what was that Sixteen magazine, right? You're always in sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you have all this this notoriety, this fame, especially back then in the non days of social media. You were you were ubiquitous yep. even before there yep. was Instagram, and yet yep. you're not a Multi, multi, multi millionaire who, who's, you know, what, was it frustrating knowing that you're doing all this work and you're getting all this thing and somebody else is eating on your dime? It's, 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 it's gut wrenching. You know, um, the thing is, I had
1: the decision uh, because I was underage, the statute of limitations does not end, uh, supposedly, with this stuff. So I could, like, still, I like, considered, um, you know, then suing them, but I just didn't want my life dragged through the media again in a very negative way. And um, yes, it, it it would have, you know, awarded me something, but then most of it probably go to charity. You know, and uh, it it was it was really you know. Don't get me wrong, I I I'm, I wasn't a pauper. and you know, thank God, I'm still not. I made some good decisions on, uh, F8 stuff, uh, the Dickie routes did well, um, just to throw that in there. And, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's insane because, you know, I'm staying in the Dorchester hotel in London. I've got the number three single and, um, I'm staying in the Terrace suite, which is half of the roof of the Dorchester hotel Uh, If you order food, the chef comes up in a private elevator to your room
0: and cooks in your kitchen.
1: Um, I had no idea I was paying for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's when you get the recoupment report and you go, say what now? I paid $8,000 for a room for two nights. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, this was two weeks. This is two weeks, but uh, yeah, it was
1: insane. It's just, but then again, like I said, you know, that's those are some of the perks, you know, having being able to, uh, you know, witness or feel or, or experience that is, is awesome. It's you know, you feel like the, the
0: king of the world, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. Uh, just uh, real quick on, on, on the book, and then I want to ask you one other question here, but uh, Idle uh-huh. Truth, a memoir. Um, talk to me about the, the timing. Was it just, you got to this point in your life where you said, okay, it's time to put this out, or do you see this as a springboard to another project? Maybe where you go to a Netflix or a streaming service and say, listen, it's a crazy story. You know, we had the, the accident, we had the drugs, we had the women, we had the, the the, the Let's make something. Do you, do you hope to get this on a screen somewhere? I'm hoping to all of that. Um,
1: I'm still, uh, I, uh, when I hear the right deal or the, or the, or I, the right approach. Yes. Um, and as far as yes, it's, it was just, it's been long enough that, I mean, it amazes me that I meet people still. And they, when they say like, what happened to your hair? It's like, dude, I'm I'm 58, you know, I'm, I'm not 16 anymore. We're, you know, people are like, there's this one guy so funny, man. He says, are you like you? I said, I don't know who the hell do you think I am. He goes, well, you look like that. That would be But no, man, you're way too
0: old. It's just <laughs> like last week when uh, David Lee Roth was in Vegas and people are like, oh, my God, he's not doing the kicks. And he's not. And it's like uh, he's fucking 70. Like calm hey, down, like, like calm the fuck down. <laughs> He's right, really. The... I mean, you know, people, they just want to, see, that's,
1: it, it, they want, people so desperately want to feel as good as they did at that age now. Because they're not happy, you know. For the most part, most who, it's their ages now, you know.
0: You're you're sort of trapped that at that age when you when we go back and we watch whatever Sergeant Pepper's yeah, or right. we, we we always see <laughs> we always see you as eighteen and we don't realize and so yeah. when you listen to Van yeah. Halen you think oh my nineteen seventy eight high kicking at Oakland. Right. and then you see yeah. Him. And it's like, no, folks, you got to adjust. Uh, I, I want to ask you this um, just real quick on the uh, celebrity, yeah, rehab yeah. With, uh, celebrity rehab with a celebrity rehab with uh-huh. Dr. Drew. I have uh-huh. interviewed uh, different members or different cast <laughs> members that have been on that, including Stephen Adler and including others. And uh-huh. the consensus I get was, yeah, it was great because it brought attention to what I needed to do and get through it. But at the end of the day, they're profiting on my misery. They're profiting on my Addiction and it's very public and it's disturbing. So I want to know how was the experience for you? Was it, hey man, Drew did some great stuff and I thank him? Or you're like, you know what? I did feel a little used and abused by the time we were we were done with this. H- how did you sort of see that and and the experience and saying, okay, I'm going to be on your show? Well,
1: that's the uh, that's the payment, right? That's the payoff. It's, it, you give him this, uh, you get this out of it. You know, you give me this, they give you this. That's just how it works. Um, I I wish that the, uh, when I did the celebrity bull riding, I just wish that I realized that this was all based on a really good chance that somebody's going to get hurt on camera, and that's gold for them. So, which is why I I bowed out before <laughs> so I got on. And I'm not kidding when I tell you this
0: bull's name because this is the one I got, Diablo. Why not? Yeah, the Diablo. Why not, dude? <laughs> why not? Um. So all right. So so we did F8 in 2002, and 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 I saw the show, and I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, Thank you. Thank you. That was also the night that I met Ron Jeremy and the people from Pretty Boy Floyd. So overall, a winter night for me. Yes, um, that's, that's <laughs> I'm not sure how or you know, but, when that meeting happened. Yeah. But are, are you done with music or do, you, or do you still have sort of one in the chamber where you go, you know what, I'm going to try this one more time and, and sort of go out on top or go out my way.
1: It, that's that's what I want to do, and uh, I've I still have a, a, a one in the chamber, and I'm not playing Russian roulette anymore. I am, uh, and that's not literal, of course. I don't need to, you know, see some crazy headlines on the internet. Now.
0: No crazy um, headlines, promise. No, yeah, no yeah, crazy headlines. Not, not you, I mean, that's for you. <laughs> you doing this?
1: I know You wouldn't. do that.
0: Um, But uh, uh, yes, I, uh,
1: I I really I, I'm not done. Uh, you know
0: musically and uh i just it'll be when it's absolutely the right thing to release. well that sounds good so there you go thank you uh, thank you and of course uh idle truth a memoir is available now i do recommend that you pick it up and uh as we say in montreal merci life life.
1: uh merci monsieur uh i must say dude, this was a really wonderful interview thank you very much
0: thank you yeah i'm sure you know i i watched uh, a little bit of the uh sort of Entertainment Tonight kind of interviews, and I'm just like, oh, uh-huh. dude, I know."
1: getting <laughs> it, stuff It's over and over. I mean, it's like the first question is, well, before we get into the book, Liz, nice, who are you? Are you okay? Would you know, do it all I'm over like, again yeah. if you could? Yeah. <laughs> you know, are you
0: high now?
1: Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> I was sure uh, wanted to cut a piece of my hair off and have it tested. Oh, God. Thank you. But oh God, I, I, God. I, was, I was
0: doing my research and watching these clips, and it's all these like really smiley people with these with with the same fucking question. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna fucking, I'm not gonna subject them to that. That's not gonna happen. I'm smarter than that, and I do better research than that. But uh, and hold on, let me yeah, just... right. It's true. You nailed it. I'm going to turn off. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.